Hi, we're It'll Be Alright in the 90s, and you're not. I'm Stu the Fridge Joslin, and joining me as always is Alex Primetime Greenwood. Greeny, how are you tonight, mate? Uh, I'm blockbuster, thanks. Absolutely blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sensing a, a sort of an American twang to your intro. Am I right? Yes, you did, because tonight we're padding up, hitting the gridiron and scoring some big old touchdowns as we explore the world of American football in the 90s with one of our favourite returning guests. We actually had a surprise meet in person uh, a couple of weekends ago, didn't we? We did indeed, yeah. I, I was carrying carefully carrying some drinks back to my seat at the Bath Forum and uh, heard uh, a Greenwood called out from from the seat behind me and uh lo and behold there you were with wife of the pod yeah absolutely it was it was really good to see you walking past because i i had no idea that you would be there we, we'd uh, gone to see sarah pasco by the way uh listeners uh, down there at the bath forum and uh, yeah i didn't know alex would be there and, and he didn't know i would be there so uh all them we made all the more special by the fact that you'd been to see uh your beloved canaries earlier in the day and still had the shirt with you as well true yeah yeah i thought i should take it off um just because I was I was at the theatre, so I thought not not the place for a football shirt. But I did come back to your seat and, and show you proudly my my ninety six ninety seven Mitre Canaries home shirt, which uh, I think you appreciated. Uh, but it wasn't just us two there, was it? Because Joey Jojo Junior Bartle was also uh, <laughs> secreted was. somewhere at the back that um, I he never was. actually saw him. But. We 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 formed the podcast triumvirate, but unfortunately, not all the three of us met up. I don't think Joe actually met up with either of us. Um, so, so, uh, so, so we were all in the room enjoying the show. And um, it has to be said, I think Sarah might be a, a listener to the pod. She she stole a bit of our gear, didn't she? Or she she did, was yeah. veering close to it. Yeah, she was talking about the Millennium. Was it the Millennium Bug she was talking about? A lot of talk about the Millennium Bug. Yeah, yeah absolutely. She's definitely our material, but we let her off, didn't we? Because we are fans. So. Absolutely, we are. And uh, it won't be long until I return to the forum uh, to go and catch up with a uh, friend of the pod, Dan Donnelly, of course. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go and represent us next week when uh, when the levelers come to play at the forum. So uh, look out for a report back from that in due course. Before we go any further, just a quick word from our sponsor tonight, which is Made in America of Hathaway Retail Park in Chippenham. Wessex is one-stop Yankee shop for everything from root beer to Ray-Bans. Uh, listeners, it will be all right in the 90s. Can quote the code all right 90s at the checkout to receive 10% off the ticket price of any NFL team merchandise purchased. Uh, so many thanks to the guys at Made in America for sorting that out for us. I love that shop. I used to go there <laughs> all the time. Usually when my dad was in Texas or something, I'd go pop in there. Hold on, Look, Texas, as in Texas the state <laughs> the, or Texas the... Texas the hardware store, yeah. Texas the hardware, of course. Texas home care, of course. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, which I think was on the same retail park. Mm-hmm. And I'd go and I'd browse the baseball bats and the American sweets. <laughs> and my, I used to buy my sunglasses in there as well. They'd have a stand that had... Um, uh, yeah, various cool sunglasses, and I'd always go for the ones that made me look like a Formula One driver. Well, it didn't make me look like a Formula One driver, but the, the style that Formula One drivers were wearing in the mm-hmm. the late 90s, the sort of wraparound style. Yeah, I loved that shop. I did also buy my first American football in there, um, which I might get to in a bit, but um, great shop. Brilliant. I used to buy, uh, again, I used to go in there when, when we visited the retail park, and uh, I remember buying these things called fire picks, which were like wooden toothpicks but they were coated with like a cinnamon paste or i don't know how you would how you would uh, describe it but they say yes they were fire picks because they were really hot when you put them in your mouth so uh, Mm. i used to enjoy chewing on those uh Uh, there there has been a little bit of 90s news isn't there Stu? Uh, we are recording this well this episode is going to come out a little bit late for this to be considered news but of course we have witnessed the sad demise of one of the country's finest fizzy soda pops oh, uh, a knife Lilt. a knife through my heart mate yeah um you did you did alert me uh, through whatsapp that you bought possibly the last bottle on the shelves in uh, the whole of wessex i think i certainly had the last bottle in chippenham yes uh the last thursday doing the food shop i spotted it on the on the shelf there and i thought it has to be it, it was it was meant to be um so i bought it and i'm currently in, I, I did think about keeping it sealed Maybe putting it in the loft, you know, out of uh, out of sight, out of mind, and, and letting it age and grow in value. Um, but then I decided I needed to taste Lilt one more time as Lilt before yeah. it becomes Fanta, pineapple, and grapefruit. So, yeah. but yeah, very very sad news, and it's, uh, it's it's pretty needless, isn't it? I mean, on on a serious note, yeah, isn't it isn't it needless? It like, is needless. I don't understand why they're doing. It. I, I suppose it's. I hadn't realised actually that Lilt was only for sale in certain countries, including the UK, obviously. 
but not in America uh, and well, not for most of the world. So I'm guessing they're going to try and expand its range by making it into Fanton and spreading it around. But why they couldn't just do that under the Lilt branding, I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's a travesty really, and and I I and the pod will be severing all ties with the Coca Cola Corporation as a result. It's yet another boycott from Italy right in the nineties. Yeah. Have we spoken to Sainsbury's about bringing Geo back yet? That, um, was our, that was our main choice, wasn't it, for for a replacement? Yes, it definitely. Yeah, I think communications have yet to be exchanged, but we will be getting in touch soon to to try and get that brought back uh, as as the the soda pop of the UK with the totally totally tropical taste um, that we're now missing from Lilt. Excellent, Jeff's on the job. There was also some other news regarding your loft and a particular VHS tape, wasn't there? <laughs> Yes, there was. Um, so, listeners, it's a long story, but I bought an issue of 442 magazine on eBay uh, last week, which comes with a free VHS. It's ITV Sports A to Z Guide to France 98, which I had at the time. Um, and I've been waiting for somebody to upload it to YouTube ever since so I can enjoy it again. But uh, unfortunately, they haven't. So I've taken matters into my own hands, uh, managed to get hold of, of the tape in question. But now all I need is a, is a VCR to uh, to digitise it, you know, and get it out there again for everyone to enjoy. So I went to uh, my dad and I said, have you got a VCR in the loft? He said, I'll check. And a couple of days later, I got a message, got the VCR down, but Jimmy Tarbuck is stuck in it. <laughs> so so and I've since uh, got the got the said VCR and managed to remove said tape. Um, unfortunately, the VCR was past uh, past saving, past repair. Uh, but yes, Jimmy Tarbuck's Nightmare Holes of Golf 2 uh, <laughs> has been extracted from the VCR and I'll probably digitise that as well. I've got a new system coming. Uh, it's in the post at the moment. I picked it up for a few pennies. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. And we might publish them on the uh, on the podcast channel, actually. Yeah, um, as some as some 90s relics uh, for everyone to enjoy. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we'll do that. Yeah. Nice work. All, 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 yeah, all, all in the cause of of nineties nostalgia and revivals. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I really wanted to save the old VCR. I tried my best to be delicate, but in the end, as I said to you at the time, um, when all else fails, you have to get the hammer out, uh, yeah. and I had to be a little less subtle, and uh, <laughs> in order to save the tape. Um, but I have done, and uh, yeah, very exciting times. I'll keep everyone updated on my VHS odyssey. <laughs> Uh, right, a little bit of correspondence, Sam. Yes, we do have a bit of correspondence. I'm just going to... Uh, oh, superb. Is that a Caffrey? Of course it is. <laughs> official brown ale of the pod. No, sorry. Official... Hang on, let me just check the pod ledge here. Official Irish ale of the pod, Caffrey's. Just being opened there by myself. Just to read out the correspondence. Always, It's always nice to have something to sip. Keep my, uh, my throat <laughs> nice and lubricated for... For your mailbag. Um, so I've got a, a quick thing here from a friend of the pod, Hannah Kelly, um, who is catching up with the pod back catalogue, as, as we urge everyone to do in, in the break between our series one and series two. Um, and she says uh, she's just been listening to the Argos uh, episode, Argos catalogue episode. And she says, I had a black and white TV in my bedroom in the 90s. Uh, there was no remote, so I had to get up to change the channel. Uh, the channel and volume buttons gave a satisfying click when you pressed them. Uh, I then progressed to a colour TV with built-in DVD player and a karaoke machine, which sounds like, well, both those items sound like wonderful relics of technological days gone past. I mean, black and white TVs, that's, I think we maybe have mentioned them before, but that sounds so of a different era, doesn't it? That that should be like the 50s or something, but... It really it, does, yeah. It was in our childhood. I did ask her what um, her speciality was in terms of the karaoke machine. And she said that uh, she was a big fan of Kylie and Jason. So I've um, managed to get her and husband of the pod, Craig, to promise that they will perform a medley of Kylie and Jason hits at our summer party. So oh, superb. I look forward to that. That's be something to look forward to, yeah. Excellent, yeah. Well, it will, it will take up a few minutes on the episode as well. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's already in the bank. That's what we like. <laughs> uh, what have you got over there? Uh, I've got uh, some uh, little bits from our regular correspondent, Alex Mitchell. Uh, he says that the All Right 90s charity workout video has surely got to be produced. 
You've got the Reebok step already. Yes, we do know where we can get hold of a Reebok step, uh, Alex, and we are looking into it. Uh, he also says, uh, I didn't remember that urban myth, read the pencils up the nose, um, which we spoke about on the last episode. He was in the same RE class as me. Uh, and he goes on to say, didn't he know that you just have to put the pencils up there as well as pants on your head and say wibble, and then you're immediately excused from the exam? <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> Good Thanks reference. for getting in touch, as always, Alex. This is from Legend of the Pod, Kate Pro. It's been a while since we've had Legend of the Pod, Kate, sending okay. in a message. So nice to hear from you, Kate. And this is related to exercise tapes, which I think we referenced with uh, Beverly Callard uh, a few episodes back. Uh, call her by a proper name. Okay, sorry. Beverly, Beverly's Bollards. Uh, or Beverly Bollard. So Kate says, uh, mum of Legend of the Pod, Angela, and her best friend Karen used to exercise to Lizzie Webb's video cassette in their living room. And the music that accompanied their, the exercise of Lizzie Webb had some pretty racy lyrics. Uh, and they were so macho, big and strong, enough to turn me on. So these were the lyrics that were being blared around uh, Legend of the Pod Kate Pro's childhood living room, which I think is quite <laughs> racy. Um, but she says that she um, eventually her mum gave up the uh, the Lizzie Webb exercise video and replaced it with one of those little trampolines which she says does prove that they they still exist because i yes. think you asked this on one of the previous what's the most 90s fitness i think it's a fitness fast one wasn't i did it? i did the question whether they still exist and it turns out they they do well there you go thanks so much kate for for letting us know uh, for much appreciated i could sleep easy at night now it's called a trampette isn't it i believe that's, that, that's <laughs> Is that the, what uh, it's called? i think that's the correct terminology yes um <laughs> but no nice to know they're still out there time now for what's the most 90s uh, and for the first time we've got some real life guests with us haven't we Stu? this is uh, a first for the pod we do indeed it's a complete thrill <laughs> um so hello and welcome to jack and roddy from the how many geese podcast how are you guys doing very good yeah very good thanks for having us oh thanks for coming on guys it's a pleasure to have you yeah don't no worry worries. about it <laughs> I think this is an intriguing What's the Most 90s and um, I think it's it's good that we've got some some real life guests to talk about this because this is the inspiration actually came from brother of the pod Adam so I should give him a shout out because mm-hmm. um, yes yeah, today we're going to ask what's the most 90s animal so a little bit out there no this isn't pop culture or TV or films or anything like this this is something yeah a little bit different so should we start with let's start with you Jack what do you think the most 90s animal is? We're experienced with answering these kind of questions, is what I say, um, is we we get people who ask us all sorts of questions on our podcast. And we have answered, when I was thinking back through the things that we have spoken about, we did once, and I was like, what's the most 90s thing that we have discussed? We cast the Spice Girls as animals. <laughs> now, okay, interesting. the Spice Girls, I you know, can you get more 90s than the Spice Girls? You guys are the experts on that, but they... They, you know, they're pretty 90s. Well, that's yeah, the definitely. next one, isn't it? What's the most 90s thing? I think it's probably the next one we should <laughs> do. Final episode, we... we'll do that. Yeah. Surely that's <laughs> your great crescendo, you know, yeah, after, yeah. you know, after years of research, you can finally <laughs> present your thesis. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We finally got something to work towards. <laughs> so we did, we did cast the Spice Girls as animals. And I listened back to that episode. But I don't think any in one of the individual animals necessarily encapsulates the... 90s as a whole but i'll tell you what we came with for the spice girls so we had baby spice which was a little bush baby we had sporty spice which was a cheetah we had ginger spice which was a maned wolf which if you don't know what a maned wolf is it's like imagine like a really thin wolf on stilts and ginger as the name (laughs) suggests it's like a long fox (laughs) <laughs> yeah like a long like a like a like it's been on a rack yeah so yeah fox um we had what are the other ones posh spice was a secretary bird which is like an eagle on stilts there's a lot of leggy things that we, <laughs> that we ended up with on there and then the final one was scary spice which is an animal i don't really expect you to have heard of called a vinegaroon which is like a it looks like a little scorpion but without the long tail and it looks pretty frightening now i don't think any of those particularly sit within the 90s so the one i was thinking of is terrapins as being my most 90s animal roddy do you know i see you nodding i wonder if you know where i'm going with this i think are you going with teenage mutant ninja turtles 
I am. Yes. Yeah. So okay. terribly... always welcome in these parts. Yeah. No, there, there, do you see? I don't. You can see in the background there. Yes. That's Michelangelo yes, uh, on yeah, the yeah. Uh, on the on the bookcase. So yeah. So the reason I've gone for Terrapins as my sort of nomination was Terrapins are native of of places like North America, but we have quite a lot of them living wild and feral in in the UK. And that's because during the height of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles craze, which I was absolutely obsessed with when I was a kid and the cartoon, loads of people went out and bought terrapins. And of course, they grow and people didn't have tanks big enough for them. And now lots of canals and lakes and things like that in the UK are full of terrapins. Uh, and the reason they were brought here was because lots of people yeah, were obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and bought their kids pet terrapins. That is a fantastic answer. That is yeah that didn't occur to me at all that is a great answer because it isn't i'm not sure if i've read maybe i'm just thinking of what you just said about people buying them but is the the turtles themselves are they not based on this doesn't make sense because they're turtles but i had an idea that they were like red what's that type of terrapin called a red slider slider yeah yeah but yeah is that what they're based on the real things i'm not the real things they're not real but the characters (laughs) are based on that because that doesn't make sense i don't know no, you're you're exactly right. The, the the teenage mutant ninja turtles aren't they're not sea turtles as we know. You know they are they are terrapins, uh, and that's because over in America, you know terrapins were quite a popular pet that you could get hold of. Um, whereas you can't just go and buy sea turtles. Um, but yeah, the the ter- a terrapin. If you don't know what a terrapin is, it's sort of like a cross between. It's like a small sort of river turtle almost but they're they don't have the big long flippers in the same way that turtles sea turtles do but yeah they are they are based on readyed sliders which are terrapins yeah terrapins of course also not naturally ninjas just to (laughs) clarify that as well you know small freshwater river dwelling not ninjas they need the radioactive ooze that's what unlocks that Uh, okay roddy what about you yeah, well, it's a nice sort of segue that Jack has sort of set up almost with the children's TV, um, because, of course, looking back on my experience of the 90s, I mean, my brain sort of went everywhere with this at first. But the one that I settled on a bit about where it went everywhere, just to touch on them. I mean, I didn't know how flexible we could be with Animal, but like all of the Pokemon mm. <laughs> I'm putting under there. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's 150 odd straight off the bat. I then thought of all of the like cereal box animals, Tony the Tiger, the Cocoa Pops chimp, any and all of those. But it was then kind of pointed out to me that a lot of those actually started their lives in previous decades. Apparently, Tony the Tiger has been around for ages, despite being, I would think, incredibly 90s. I don't know what happened in the 90s that they had a slight, I don't know, rebrand or upskill or whatever. Um, Sugar Puff Monster, another one, but unclear, you know, (laughs) what that is. (laughs) Um, I think it's quite clear. It's the sugar puff monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From sugar puffy eye monster, eh? It's the honey monster, um, isn't it? Isn't that his, his formal name, the honey monster? I've I've never been properly introduced, so <laughs> yeah. you have to work know. in '90s nostalgia yeah. to to get in. He <laughs> yeah. was definitely um, the honey monster when he played up front for Newcastle in that advert. Um, <laughs> I think I think he just had monster on the back of his shirt, actually. Okay. So, yeah, his first yeah. name's Honey. Yeah. So he's rebranded <laughs> the first name, perhaps, but he's stuck with the family. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I came out at uh, of all of this, Aardvarks, because I think they've got two pillars for the '90s in the form of Otis the Aardvark, which some people I've ran this past before couldn't act. They either didn't believe that this happened, or are you putting your hand up because you don't believe, know, or remember? Who's Otis the Aardvark? Oh, okay, man. well, oh, right. We will circle back. But Otis the Aardvark is one who, despite you not knowing who he is, was quite clearly an Aardvark. But then there's also Arthur the Aardvark, because mm-hmm. Arthur is apparently meant to be, as in Hey Arthur, uh, is apparently meant to be an Aardvark, despite, frankly, not looking like an Aardvark no. at all and just being a sort of hamster with ambition. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I've I've gone with Aardvark, and I've got a couple others in the back of my head which I can pull out and chuck out in a sec. But does anyone, uh, Stu or Alex, just with your '90s knowledge, want to flesh out Otis, perhaps? Or his, I mean, his modern day equivalent would be Hacker the Dog, wouldn't it? If uh, if, if we're, oh, we're comparing okay. him with a modern, yeah, so a puppet uh, co-presenter for for CBBC, who would his predecessor have been? 
Are, are we going back to, to Gordon the Gopher before him? Or is I haven't a clue, but there was, there was Basil oh. Thrush. Uh, I've, he I've just Googled of... Otis the Aardvark, and yeah, yeah that's yeah, definitely familiar with. Yeah, Basil Brush, um, Ed the Duck, of course, Andy yep. Peters, um, Nemesis, and and a colleague. And there was a banana. <laughs> Do you remember, <laughs> remember the banana? The banana crossed over with Ed the Duck. The what? <laughs> there was a banana puppet that was in a broom cupboard with um, Andy Crane and that lot. You have cu- made that up. No, I God, it was up. deranged, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was probably late 80s, early 90s, maybe I shouldn't mention it. It got phased out, I think. And <laughs> right, okay. Bananas waned in popularity. And, <laughs> and the cocaine was run thin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Andy Crane on as a guest. He'll, he can confirm this. Okay, so should we move on to... So, yeah, Roddy, you've got some more, which we might come back to in the course of the conversation. But Stu, do you want to say who you've got? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've, I've also gone for a cultural link. Um, so, so continuing that theme. My first thought actually was the, the Pepper Army from the adverts, because he's a bit of an animal. <laughs> You're pushing um, it there, come on. But I am pushing it there. Um, I then thought about hedgehogs and echidnas for obvious reasons. But in the sorry, end... What hang I've... on, sorry, what's the obvious reason for an echidna? That's... Knuckles. Knuckles who, the sorry? echidna. Sonic and Knuckles, Knuckles the Echidna. Oh, Knuckles is an Echidna. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Know. That is right, isn't it, guys? I haven't made that up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. In everyone's life, there's a before knowing that fact and an after knowing that fact. So <laughs> I'm very glad you happen. can reset your calendar, Alex, to <laughs> cross you know. that Rubicon live exactly. on it. <laughs> exactly. But what I've gone for is uh, a lion and in particular a baby lion, because I ended up thinking about the golden age of Disney animal movies, which was, of course, the mid 90s. Uh, the Rescuers, Homeward Bound, uh, the Goofy movie, my, one of my personal favourites. 101 Dalmatians to name but a few, but um, obviously The Lion King is by far the uh, most well-known and most well-regarded of these. Uh, and so I had no hesitation in, in picking Young Simba as my most 90s animal. Can I have a point of information on Goofy? What is he? Because I've heard that he's a cow. I've, well, I've wow. seen this theory as well he's a dog right yes until you see the theory that he's a cow in which case you're like "Hmm." is he a cow yeah because isn't because like there's mickey and minnie mouse and mouse uh the two ducks are both ducks and then goofy's meant to be paired up with daisy the cow or something i don't know i i I have seen a picture that's drawing the parallels of yeah yeah, that that he looks like a cow and pluto is like a dog dog Mm. Yeah. So then, for Goofy to be some kind of more sentient dog, <laughs> like I don't know, does it stack up? But, but yeah, Pluto Pluto is owned by Goofy, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think so. Just another point of interest: it um, Disneyland Paris about uh, four years ago, the guy in the Pluto costume was not getting a lot of attention at all. Um, so I went and had a little photo with him and, a, and uh, you know an arm around Pluto <laughs> and just. To... You should have asked him what species he was. Oh, I should have done. Yeah, I missed a, missed a trick there, didn't I? I did have, did have a, a couple of seconds with Pluto, but um, yeah. never mind. Next time, maybe. Next time. Well, I'm surprised I'm, and, and glad that you've all gone for different things. I was expecting there possibly to be some synergy here because I have gone for um, dolphins, which I think are by far the most 90s animal. I'm quite confident with this. I don't have any... I suppose there aren't any cartoon characters as such, but there's... It's Echo the Dolphin, one of the of course. most famous early 90s computer games. Most frustrating computer game of all time, yeah. I, would, uh, I would wager. As discussed on an earlier episode of the pod. Um, and then there's Flipper. Uh, mm. I know it was it was originally a 60s film, but then it was remade in 96 with Elijah Wood. Um, but beyond that, I think it's more to do with um, stationery. I'm thinking <laughs> this is a hardcore stationery animal. It was over so many pencil cases in in the 90s. It was on posters, it was in stickers. Dream um, catchers. Dream catchers, yeah. It, it was sort of market stores you'd get in the 90s that would be selling post, uh, not posters, um, sweatshirts and t-shirts, and it'd be wolves, um, bison, dolphins, uni- well, not unicorns, but yeah, dolphins. So I just think it was sort of a, an aesthetic animal of the 90s. I actually do have, I found this, um, just before we came on, I have my my dolphin pencil case. Oh, look at that! Um, Very good. Just Very good. Use. Got props. Um, yeah, and I just think it, it's that aesthetic thing. I, I 
I was looking it up just for before we started recording, and there's an artist called Lisa Frank who did lots of stationary designs and stuff in the 90s in America, but I think they probably came over here as well. And if you look up Lisa Frank art, you'll know you know what I mean. We'll post some on our social media, but yeah, that that's my my choice really for those reasons. That's a good one. Lovely. Yeah, when you started talking, my brain before even registering Echo or Flipper went to pencil cases. Yeah. So, yeah. And the kind of rulers, you know, the holographic rulers. Yes. It is definitely the most lenticular animal, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Because it's like you can do it as it's coming out of the water back and forth. Um, Yeah. Is it the most tattooed 90s animal also? Oh, yeah. I think dolphin tattoos were very, very popular. What was it about the 90s? Because, you know, animals, it's not like... For, for a cartoon or something you know they're released and they gain popularity or whatever it wasn't like dolphins were suddenly released in the 90s no. like what, <laughs> what what is it about an animal that suddenly gains traction in a particular mm. what, what yeah why did the dolphin speak to people in the 90s in a way it didn't in, in any other decade and then that got replaced by sort of tribal designs as the as the tattoo du jour i suppose in the early yeah. 2000s Into and so 10s. on and so forth Mm. So, so Chinese if, Chinese script, I think, after that. So if you guys were to, because like Jack mentioned at the start, we get asked a lot of questions on our podcast with people send us in, you know, what animals would be the Spice Girls, what animal would be X, Y, and Z, the best to have in a bank heist. And we usually approach the question with a kind of like, well, what do you need in a bank heist? What makes, you know, I mean, the Spice Girls is a bit obvious, but getting to the root of the question. So how would you guys actually describe what, like nostalgia aside, what is nineties? Yeah, the essence of the essence of what? What are the pillars? Is it a is it a mood? <laughs> is it a you know a flavour, a scent? Blimey! That's if we can't answer question. this, I think we ought to pack up. Um. <laughs> I'd say it's a vibe, more than a pillar or a flavour. It's a vibe. Crikey, that's that's a big question. That's, that's <laughs> sort of an existential question for the podcast, isn't it? What are we doing, Stu? What's this all about? I don't know what to say. This yeah, this has caught us totally on the hop, hasn't it? Can we answer this in a couple of weeks? <laughs> we can we can we can circle back, whatever. But I was just wondering because you might have said like you know we said for example lenticular, you know that was big in the nineties. There could be an animal out there which none of us have thought of, but is actually nineties in a way which isn't nostalgic about the nineties, which wasn't on children's TV, but actually in its own essence mm-hmm. is representing the nineties better than any of us could have predicted. You know, the 60s, for example, tie-dye, flamboyant, uh, loud. There's going to be some bird out there which is going to yeah. tick all those boxes. <laughs> 2008, economic disaster. I'm sure we can find a very depressing animal which could represent the financial crisis. And I just wondered if there was a 90s, you know, theme that might might be out there in an animal as yet unthought of. And so okay. it's, it's like a free period of sort of relative peace in the world, wasn't it? And, and liberation and, and stuff like that. So... But it's a question for our listeners that we can we can oh, be musing on this for, for a while, can't we? Fantastic yeah. reflection. Yeah. <laughs> that was world class. Speaking of our listeners, shall we move on to our correspondence? Because we did put this question yeah. out before we recorded and we got some feedback. So I've actually been supported here by a few people on the Dolphins thing. Uh, Flutter by Art Studio. That sounds like an art studio who probably does pictures of dolphins. Mm-hmm. Anna Silis Moore. Kay Fabe, Vicky Trundle and brother of the pod, Adam, all said dolphins. Um, Vicky also said killer whales. I mean, you've got Free Willy, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and those those sort of paintings and, and posters would often have killer whales in there as well. Uh, Haughty Hannah said every WWF giant panda, which is a good shout. Uh, yeah, that is logo the... big in the 90s. I don't know nice. when they introduced the the giant panda logo. I'm sure that will come to everyone's mind pretty quickly when I say that. Um, but then Hannah then later said, uh, my brother has informed me that Gordon the Gopher is the most 90s animal, which is a good shout. We have talked about kids TV puppets. Mm-hmm. I think Gordon the Gopher did actually have style. Like he wore um, he wore sunglasses and maybe tracksuit bottoms and white trainers. I remember that. So he yeah. actually, actually had some 90s style. Hawaiian shirts comes bottoms. to mind as well for some reason. Uh, and boxing gloves. So he was always wearing boxing gloves. Isn't <laughs> What's that all about? Is it, it was just a brawler. <laughs> Hawaiian shirt and some boxing gloves. He's ready for anything. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Emma Everdream said, I couldn't emotionally cope with animals of Farthingwood then, and I certainly can't now. 
which is a good shout. All the animals from Animals of Farthing Wood um, were very 90s, especially Weasel. Because I think Weasel in the cartoon was a ladette, wasn't she? If you think about it, she was a bit of, she had a bit of moxie about her. David Brown Wildlife Photography said, purely due to Jim Carrey, all I can think of is that little capuchin monkey. Um, mm, and then also yeah. with little monkeys, you can also think of Ross and Friends because he had a little capuchin monkey, I think, didn't he? Um, Marcel. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Giorgio Moroso, friend of the pod, said the Tamworth pigs. So this is a, this is a top, well, not topical, but <laughs> a new story of the time, wasn't it? Uh, does everyone remember yes. the Tamworth two? No. They escaped from an abattoir, didn't they? And they yeah. went on the run. It was in Wessex, so close to our hearts, me and Stu. Yes. Um, so yeah, it was a pair of a pair of pigs who escaped uh, on the way to an abattoir, Stu said, in Malmesbury, Wiltshire, in January 1998. Went on the run, was big tabloid news story. I was reading about it just before coming on air. Yeah, it was just a big thing in the news. They were missing for a week and eventually they they were caught and saved by the Daily Mail of all people. Oh, wow. uh, and then they saw out their days in a, in an animal shelter until I think one died in 2010 and then the other one died fairly shortly afterwards. They were nicknamed, what were they nicknamed? Butchers. Some bad kid. <laughs> and yeah, so that, that's a, a nice news story answer mm-hmm. to the question so yes thank you for all of your correspondence out there but do keep sending it in just because we've done the episode doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you um so you can send them in in the usual place can i just row back briefly to your um point on the weasel character from the animals of Farthingwood? yeah you said that they were a, a bit of a ladette they had a bit of moxie mm-hmm. are we saying that the weasel is the animal of the 90s oh wow have we yeah. answered our own question, or has has our correspondent who suggested the animals of farming would answer that question? A weasel in a tracksuit with a lenticular <laughs> ruler, and yeah, you know, it's really starting <laughs> to come together. Yeah, yeah, with a pair of boxing gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> Can I give an honourable shout out? Uh, oh, more than an honourable shout out, I think. To so I mentioned I had you know a couple thoughts and pinged around a bit. Um, Honeypuff Monster, Pokemon, you know the real stand ups. Um, but I came out at one in particular animal, like an individual animal itself, which I think represents the 90s or is peak 90s. And that's Dolly the sheep. Oh, oh yes. great, oh, great chat. Great that's shout. really good. Who, born 1996, has surely got to be the most famous individual animal of the 90s. Yeah. And groundbreaking. And yeah, yeah that's a really good yeah. shout. Yeah, ushered in a millennium, you know. Well done, Dolly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely brilliant final answer. Yeah, I mean, I I do think there's there's a possibility of an episode here of just talking about the world of animals in the nineties. Um, so maybe something we should think about planning. Um, but yeah, but for now, that's a great final answer, Roddy. So guys, before we go, do you want to just tell everyone about your podcast and where we can find it? Yeah, well, as a kind of 90s bridge in a sense um we are how many geese um we're kind of like a a really wild show for grown-ups in a sense um we've described ourselves also as uh spring watch meets qi in a pub and argues about how many badgers they could take in a fight yeah Uh, i don't know if you've got anything to add to that jack about the kind of stuff we talk about yeah i mean we 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 answer our, our our episodes are sort of broken into uh, sections where we discuss sort of topics that we've come across, whether they be like news topics or scientific topics or just things that we find interesting. And uh, we answer questions from the audience, like Roddy's already mentioned, like what animal would make the best X, Y, Z or what animal would you know help you in a certain situation. Uh, and then we're named after yeah we're named after the segment in the middle of the show where we work out how many of a particular animal we could take in a fight yeah so yeah spotify google apple whatever wherever we're there come listen great stuff yeah we'll put a link in the episode description so everyone can find it uh we have been listening to previous episodes and i can testify that it is a brilliant podcast so do go and give it a listen um guys thank you so much for coming on being our first ever live guests for what's the most 90s thanks Um, so much yeah thank you it's been been great great yeah thanks guys it's a welcome return tonight for one of our most frequent guests. He's got two podcast rings already, and he's back for a third. Here to talk us through his experiences following and watching American football in the 90s, 
it's a big welcome back to Dad of the Pod, Glyn Joslin. How you doing, mate? Hi, guys. How you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, good, good to have you good. back. Yeah, uh, I want to start. There's a couple of things we need to, uh, to cover before we get into things. Yeah. Um, first of all, an apology for the question of sport board game debacle um, <laughs> the last time you were on. <laughs> it was an experience. Well, it was, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just a, if you don't try it, you don't know. <laughs> As they say. What did George say in his correspondence? A lesson lesson learned. That, that's it. It goes on our lessons learned register. <laughs> yeah. I um, think we should and, have tried it out first before we actually did. Well, maybe, yeah. But then, you know, it it's, a, it's a hallmark of the pod, really. That's right, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, um, any memories of, of Made in America, our, our sponsor for tonight? Yeah, yeah. It was a good little shop, that, wasn't it? It wasn't just clothing because you couldn't get the, like, Hershey bars anywhere yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. either. And other American type, uh, what do you call it, candy. <laughs> you know stuff like that and this is that was the only place you get it now of course you get Reese's or whatever in yeah change boost and all that sort of thing but yeah it was uh it was a good little place yeah it was and just enjoy going up there excellent well we're here tonight to talk about american football in the 90s and i and i suppose specifically following american football in the 90s when it didn't have the coverage that it does now in the UK. So first of all, what, what, what we wanted to know is how you sort of came across and, and got into NFL in the first place um, when you were living in Wiltshire in the 1980s. How, how, right. did, that, how did that filter well, down? Well, I have to take you back a little bit further. Okay. To 1972. Are we allowing this? Is this okay? <laughs> this as is, long as it's brief. I mean, it's, it's, it's all leading up to the 90s. So it's yeah. it's it, background, yeah, okay. just background. Right. Yeah. Um, I suppose you both know, uh, you heard a grandstand Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. this actually relates to uh, the sad passing of Dickie Davis. Of course, last week, yeah. Who, who Sports did the OTB, the OTB version mm-hmm. of uh, Grandstand, which was World of Sport. World of Sport, and they were like rivals in the in the seventies. Well, World of Sport always used to have some quirky sport they do, like um, lumberjack knot cutting from Canada <laughs> or something like that, you know, and things like that. Well, one time I was what I must have been about eleven. 72, I would have been 11. They were shown uh, a game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Oakland Raiders when they had the Immaculate Reception. That game? By, oh, wow, by Franco Harris. By Franco Harris, mm-hmm. where Terry Bradshaw passed the ball, got tipped, Franco Harris caught the ball off his shoelaces and ran in for the go-ahead touchdown. So that was my very first my, my introduction into American football. Then from then, I didn't really see any of it again until um channel four about 1980 81 uh said they were going to show highlights every week on the sunday with nicky horn and miles aiken who was an, uh, an american chap and um they were showing yeah going to show a weekly uh, program of uh, highlights and uh, this was a uh, strike player strike shortened season so there was only about nine games i think altogether but in the end it was the uh it was Washington and the uh, Miami Dolphins who got to the Super Bowl in Pasadena. So that's how I became a Washington fan because mm-hmm. they were like, you know, the first team. They showed a lot of them yeah. in that season. As you know, I probably told you, stayed up all night. Probably still got the video in the attic. I'll be calling Ah, it. well, if you can dig it out, I can digitize that oh, yeah. for you now. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. All right, nice yeah, one. Yeah. All right, get so, that in yeah. the book. Yeah. So that's how I got into it. And then it progressed to American Football on Channel 4. Uh, carried on. They didn't show any live games, only the Super Bowl, right through the through the eighties. This is Channel Four, and now Super Bowl. And then, uh, as you know, then the American football started coming over to this country just for exhibition games, just like um, pre-season mm-hmm. for games. So first one I went to was uh, 89. And then uh, after that, another four in a row. So, Glenn, that that's how you got into the sport and how you got into watching it. But it must have been difficult keeping up with the sport throughout the, the, the late 80s and then into the 90s when there was so little coverage of it. It wasn't big in this country, in the UK. Yeah. As, and there weren't many outlets. So how did you manage to follow it? 
there's a there's a radio station. It's called the, the American Forces uh, Network, I think. You should be able to tune in, but you have to like turn the aerials round and, right. and <laughs> like have the in a very certain space, and uh, you could get it very very faintly, but you get very very quiet, and you had your earphones in, you could hear you could actually hear a game. So that, that's how I really just kept into it, and also they did actually start um, uh, producing the uh, American football paper about that sort because you see there it's uh, issue 607 so mm-hmm. it had been going quite a while so I, I don't think it's got yeah I'm pretty sure it's not going anymore so that's basically how, how I did it and also there was um, Football Digest as well a little magazine for America and I actually um, used to uh, import it like oh, right. uh, yeah <laughs> uh, only a few issues in the end because it you know, cost too much but uh, that's really all you could do you could either you know get these papers, get some magazines and uh, listen to on the radio very faintly. Just try and keep in touch what was going on and uh, your favourite players and mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's really how it happened. Great. Just for the listeners, we've, we've got a copy here of a first down football newspaper uh, from Saturday, the January the 31st, 1998. Uh, and it's got a, a smiling John Elway on the cover as he uh, holds up the Super Bowl trophy that he's waited 15 seasons to win. Uh, and Alex, you said this was one of your... The first Super Bowls you, you you remember, or, or the first or the second? Yeah, I think the first one that I saw must have been before this, so the year before, so '97, when it was uh, the Patriots against the Packers, I think. And then I remember this being the season after. Mm. Um, I've 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 watched very little American football in my life, and I've never really been that into it. But that was when I first sort of became aware of it, and I was quite interested in it at that point. Before we get on to the American Bowls, which are the games that took place at Wembley Stadium yeah. um, that, that you went to, the, the preseason games, and we go through those, I want to talk about another aspect of the game which you managed to uh, which you managed to, to, to witness in the early nineties. Um, and we got some tickets here, and I'll just read the uh, I'll just read the uh, the ticket out here. American football match for the Bass Bowl, donated by Bass Charrington, uh, and this is for Bath Gladiators versus the Holton Demons at Caution Comprehensive School, which is the school that uh, Alex and I both went to, and and you went to obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, when when you were young, Saturday the twenty third of March, nineteen ninety one, kickoff two thirty p.m. Mm. Um, so, what do you remember about this? How did this come about? How did an American football match take place you know on the school no field? Idea. I have no idea. I think I think I went and saw them play at the Rec in Bath mm-hmm. as well, and also I think the. The promotions manager Bob Turner was actually from Corsham, but tell you the truth, I I don't remember how I actually heard about it or anything. But obviously, said there's no internet uh, or anything like that. But it must mm-hmm. be word of mouth, or uh, I just saw it somewhere. Maybe it was in one of the local papers or something like that. But I'm sorry, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> well, we've got ticket number six thousand three hundred and eighty-two here, so there must have been a fair few people uh, in attendance. <laughs> I don't think um, that many people there. <laughs> as you say, the promotions manager here, Bob Turner, he's included this phone number on a ticket, and it's an O two four nine number. Yeah. Um. So it's obviously. <clears throat> I think he lived around the back of Nanny at one time. That's going to mean nothing to anybody else. <laughs> oh, I, know. I don't want to give Nanny's address away. No, of course I don't not. Of people. Exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, thinking that Bob Turner still yeah. lives there. He might be able to get a ticket. <laughs> but he, he's not there anymore. He, he moved. <laughs> okay. That's right. <laughs> right. Uh, just a couple of other things to note on this uh, uh, ticket. Uh, a couple of other attractions uh, available on the day. Uh, the GWR Roadshow with Andy Westgate. That starts at uh, half past 12. A performance by the Norton Radstock Starlet Majorettes. <laughs> uh, and a beer tent open between uh, 12 p.m. and 7 p.m. So there you go. Absolutely superb. And, uh, and then, the Majorettes are probably in there later, weren't they? Having a few yeah. pints. I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all kicking off. Um, <laughs> and then you, you also then went to the Bass Bowl 2 the following oh, yeah. year. Comp- yeah. I got uh, a complimentary ticket on this one. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got a comp uh, from Bob Turner. But as you can see... <laughs> The events sort of went a bit downhill. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you've got a with school fate, yeah. a car boot sale. There's just a general thing here that says sideshows. Um, sideshows. Who knows what that is? They've still got the beer tent. You're all right. Mm. And bouncy castles and much, much more. Much, 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 much more. Well, so what the hell that was, I've got no idea. We always put that in our episode <laughs> descriptions, and there very rarely is much, much more. So, <laughs> yeah. we, I, I hope that the um, Norton Radstock style at Majorettes weren't relegated to being a sideshow. I, I think look at them, so they're still going. 
After the way they carried on in the beer tent from the year before, they probably weren't allowed to come. Uh, Yeah, it's probably a banning order coming into force. Yeah, Yeah. But no, very interesting to know that, that, you know, a fairly high profile, you would have to say, American football match took place on on our school field. I mean, presumably they just used the rugby posts, I would imagine. Uh, I I Um, presume so, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because I said they played at the Bath Rec as well, so obviously Mm -hmm. they... uh, did you? But they have got the the website for the gladiators is still still up. They they're not going anymore. Okay. But it's still up there, and they give all their the games they played because they were in Division Two or something, whatever it was at the time. So yeah, all the information, all the stats, and everything is still is still uh, still up there. Okay, so a little bit of American football comes to comes to caution. How about that? Yeah, it's really hard to imagine an American football match going with some fairly established teams. Just being played mm. in a in a provincial town's secondary school playing field, it's it's yeah, it's really hard to imagine, but it's it's cool I, that it happened. I mm. guess they you know, they had to find, like I said, they, they weren't going to be able to play at Bathwick every time. I think that was just like a one-off. I think it might have been. So they had to find like schools or something with, with rugby pitches yeah. so they could use the posts and the whistle sort of thing. So I think they played at Lansdowne as well. Right. Obviously they played away as what well, uh, mm-hmm. uh, places, but. Um, yeah, they had to find these uh, sports pitches with the uh, with the with the posts on, and obviously be allowed to play on there, and not ruin the pitch too much. You know, so there you go. Well, I hope the Springfield Centre had some car parking marshals in place that day. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I wonder okay. who provided their bollards. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one person for that job. So let's move on then to the more high-profile games that took place in the UK in the 90s. Um, the American Bowls, as you've uh, as you've mentioned. Yeah. You went to quite a fair few of these. We'll kick off with the American Bowl that took place in 1990. Uh, this was on August the 5th at Wembley Stadium. Uh, and it's the Oakland Raiders versus the New Orleans Saints. That's right, yes. I don't know how we uh, heard about this. It must have been uh, in one of the football papers. And I persuaded two of my friends, Chris Jordan and Mike Wilkins, uh, Hedge, as we used to call him, to go up. And uh, Chris had a, a Dodge pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Which um, we went up in. As you know, you could sit three people in the in the cab, so that was good. Yeah, we went up there, took some beer with us, and what we do, we park up uh, and just sit in the back of the 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 uh, on the pickup for hours. <laughs> it seemed like uh, waiting for the gates to open. But there was like loads of people about. You had obviously American forces people there from Lake and Heath and places like that, Mendenhall, and uh, they'd be playing football in the. Uh, in the car park until they got filled up, of course, you know. So well, I always remember that. I think I can't have I said this before about other things where when you go to Wembley, they used to park you like, yeah, yeah, come here, yeah, stop there. But when you when you come out, there was nobody there to <laughs> to show you out. So there was everybody was trying to get out at the same time. And uh, in the end, we used to just sit in the back of the van in the pickup and uh, just wait till everybody went. So we were there for about two hours just waiting until we left mm-hmm. and then we could get out there and we always lost our way coming out so that was uh <laughs> that was good anyway back to american football what i remember about that game was as soon as it finished it's funny about the ending they all ran out of wembley stadium they didn't go back to changing rooms they just went out of the uh, uh wembley because you see the doors open and you can yep. see outside and they just got all in their buses Bug it off. <laughs> so I don't know what I don't know if they just went straight back to the airport or what. On, the, on the plane in their helmets yeah. and cleats. <laughs> they yeah. did. I tell you, they did not go back to the changing rooms. They just went straight out, you know. And it was so funny. So I thought, I can't believe they did that. But uh, they must have been anxious to get home, I guess. So mm-hmm. yeah. So that's why I remember about the first one. So we've got uh, the uh, 1991 edition then. I don't. It's only got the helmets on the uh, on the tickets. So I can't. Of bills I can't tell. On the, um, Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, and this is on the 28th of July, 1991. Yeah. And these are all for £15 entry, by yeah. the way. It's at the last I, one, I should say. Very, yeah. very reasonable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the 1991 edition. Yeah. Again, it, myself, Chris, and uh, uh, Mike went, went up in, in the Dodge, and we did basically exactly the same thing as we uh, we did before. And, that, yeah, I think that was, that was quite a good game, because a lot of these games can be a bit... They're exhibition, uh, pre-season games, so you might get the... Uh, the superstars come out for one series, mm-hmm. one series of downs. And then after that, they just bring on the people they've been drafted in, like a new quarterback, they've been drafted in, see how they get on. So you didn't really sort of see the superstars of the game fall that much. But um, 
But I think, you know, they were quite feisty games, it could be. People used to say, you know, the crowd would be shouting, defence, offence, defence, offence, all this sort of thing, you know, all the time. So, yeah, and, all, and of course, the Buffalo Bills, they had reached the Super Bowl uh, in uh, 1990. And then they carry on to get to the next three Super Bowls, four Super Bowls in a row in the 90s, and they didn't win one. And they were obviously the best team all those four years, but they just couldn't win the big game. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so sad because they had some great players. Um, you had uh, Jim Machine Gun Kelly, Dal Telly. You should have been Alex Machine Gun uh, Greenwood. I wish, yeah. I'd, I wish I'd seen that one. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Bruce Smith, anyway. Thomas uh, Thurman Thomas, I should say. You know, these great players, and uh, they never won a Super Bowl. It's, uh, it's such a shame because they were the best team for those four years, really, in the league. But they just couldn't go over the, go over the finishing line to, um, to win it. Was this the one where you ran into the American fans in the car park and you offered them some of your Miller Lite? Oh, it might have been. It's one of these games. God knows which one it was. <laughs> and they reacted very violently. Yeah, they said, hey, we got some real American beer, Miller Lite. Oh, well, that's shit. Sort of thing, you know. So, but they, they still drank it. So it was all right. Oh, well, there we are. Yeah, yeah. They, still, they still had it. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we had some fun times out there. Yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, so 92 then, and then um, you get to see your team in action in 1992. Oh, Washington, yes. Yeah. yeah. Let, and of course, um, Washington had beat the Buffalo Bills in the in the Super Bowl, so the Buffalo Bills lost again. Mm-hmm. And um, again, and, and the 49ers uh, come over, obviously, for this game. And it was great to see uh, the great uh, Joe Montana played in that game again. Maybe one or two series of Dan's before um, another great player come on, Steve Young, I think it was, who took over from him for the 49ers eventually. And also um, we had Mark Rippon, who played for the uh, for Washington uh, in, in the Super Bowl. He won the MVP in the Super Bowl. So, again, um, it was great to see my my team, although we did lose that game. I think it was 15-17 or something like that. Close but, thing, then. Yeah, mm-hmm. but again, like I said, again, it was it's, it, it's just an exhibition game. It's just to see how players... Uh, fair in the uh, in the uh, heat of battle, and uh, who's going to you know make the roster, and who's not, and also and also I saw Joe Gibbs, you know the legendary uh, Washington coach, who incidentally won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, and nobody's done that before. Oh, okay, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> or since I should say, but yeah, it was great to see my uh, my favourite team uh, out there. But unfortunately, like I say we lost the game, but. Uh, there you go. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes. I was just going to say it's cool that um, there there were big names that played in these matches. It wasn't mm. just a sort of B team who came over to the UK for the no for 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 the preseason match. It's yeah, it's it's interesting that they did bring over some of these star names. I suppose there's a chance it could have been contracted or or it was it, necessary for them to do it in order to get the the, the punters in. And it may have been. I mean, I I don't really know, but uh, I you know I got free a lot of these players today going to London yeah, I've never been to London before so they probably might have wanted to come anyway sort of <laughs> yeah, thing you know true. it's really a testing ground for the for the players they've drafted and uh, once they've got on free agency to come in and, and show what they can do obviously play other uh, pre-season games back, uh, back in America yeah it was it was good to see these uh, like big players especially somebody like Joe Montana who'd, uh, who'd won the Super Bowl a few times himself already and uh, you know see him come out and uh, and play yeah, it was uh, very, very good. Yeah. So the final one then, and we, we've got the ticket tour here. I should say, um, you're very good at art, sort of archiving these things. I, <laughs> I think I've, I think I've taken that from you as I've, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, as I've grown yeah. up, because I, I keep hold of a load of useless old stuff as well. Um, but it all comes in handy when we when we record these podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So the final one we've got here is the American Bowl for '93. This is the uh, Cowboys versus the Lions. Mm. Um, the first thing I notice about this ticket is that it's jumped up ten pounds from the previous year. Yeah. So it's now twenty five pounds to get <laughs> yeah. in, which is a bit a bit of a jump in one year. It's cost a living. Maybe not much. by today's standards. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, so this is the final one. Any any memories of this? Is well, this the one that you had to drive to yourself? Yeah, because um, uh, for some reason I don't know why Chris and Chris and Mike didn't want to go to this one. I don't know why. Maybe I I should have thought. Well, I'll give it a miss. But for whatever reason, um, I wanted to go. So I asked my um, my boss if he wanted to come, come with me, uh, Nobby Bush. He said yes, and I thought, oh, good. That means he can drive up there. <laughs> and, of course, when it come to it, I'm not driving up there. You are. Oh, no. 
because I had a little 1.1 Fiesta, never been over 60 miles an hour before. Don't think I'd be on the motorway probably before, in it. And because um, I was shitting, oh sorry, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> right. So uh, I was, uh, I was really scared <laughs> of uh, going up there because I've never, I, you know, obviously I've been with with Chris in the uh, in the Dodge, but you know you don't really take a notice where you go in or the whistle thing. So of course no sat nav in those days or anything like that. So it was more of a big on the prowl. I think Nobby knew basically how to get there. He'd been to Wembley a few times to see England play. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and uh, so up in my little uh, my little Fiesta, we got there all right, got parked up, but then we proceeded to um, have a barbecue. We took one of those um, disposable barbecues, so we had a couple right. of burgers on there, and then we wrapped, um, well, he brought them, uh, a couple of bananas wrapped in tinfoil, put them on the barbecue, I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, hot bananas. I don't know. Have you ever heard of that before? I've heard I of a hot banana. banana. I think that's I quite um, quite a popular thing these days. You put a bit of chocolate in there as well. You've yeah. got a hot banana chocolate thing. It's, yeah. Uh, well, I, don't, yeah. I don't think we had anything to put with it. I don't think so anyway. Not, I can't remember. I'll have it, was to the early, it was the early days of the hot banana craze. Yeah, it must so have been. Yeah, 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 but yeah. you're a pioneer, Glyn. Oh. You and Nobby, you pioneered yeah, yes. the hot banana. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they had these tailgate parties at these in America, you know, when they go to the car park outside the game. And they, yeah. But I don't think anybody was doing that really there. But yeah, we had this uh, little uh, disposable barbecue going. What I remember is you you got my T-shirt now, and you from that yes, day. I got all the T-shirts. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, <laughs> funny enough, we we bought the T-shirt. And Nobby reminded me of this today because I said what well, I was doing this night. He said, "Remember that T-shirt you bought?" I said, "Oh yeah." I said, "You know, Stu, Stu wears it now." He said, well, do you remember him get, the bloke getting chased? I said, no. He said, yeah. He said, because obviously it was a dodgy T-shirt. It wasn't <laughs> official merchandise. Right. He said, he brought it off him. It was like a fiver or whatever it was. And then about half an hour now, you saw the bloke running past. And he said, uh, like three security guards running after him. And he called he's uh, <laughs> selling dodgy merchandise on the, on the premises. So they were... <laughs> so you bought a moody T-shirt? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it must have done. So, yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, that was a good game. Uh, the, the Lions ain't particularly uh, a brilliant team. They haven't been for years, but um, that wasn't too bad a game. That was the uh, unfortunately the last one I ever I ever went to. But uh, like I said, I was experienced driving up there, driving back, you know, in the dark as well. God, look, yeah. God knows how I did it. I just <laughs> Still wake up in, in a cold sweat thinking yeah, about I, it now. I just don't know how I did it. You know, <laughs> I do remember though um, when you sat in the stadium. Nobody said. He said, you had, "He said you had to stand up every every ten seconds." Hey, the whistle, you know. I love I love so, the, the image of <clears throat> this sort of tailgate barbecue party in in the the parking yeah. parking lot, as they'd say, and the Wessex equivalent. So you've got a giant Ford truck and then a big Dodge Ram, and then in between, <laughs> it's sandwiched in between, is a little one point one Fiesta one with, a, yeah. with a little disposable barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it was. So we were just sort of um, just sat there for, for a couple of hours uh, doing that. Yeah, it was uh, like I say, it was a bit of an experience that day. Obviously, like I say I was driving and uh, I wasn't too sure about where I was going or what I was doing or anything. Like that. But we survived, you know, got home about. I tell you one thing, we always used to do was um, on the way back, because we used to get back so late, we stop at memory services, mm-hmm. you know, memory services station. And uh, we always just stop there for, um, get something to eat, because obviously it's over in 24 hours. So, you know, and so we'd get home about three o'clock in the morning eventually. That was uh, good days, good days, good times. So that's the American Bowls, Glenn. Do you have any other recollections or, or memories of American football life and and fandom in the nineties. Like I said, I used to go with my my two mates, but they were really big into football. They they just uh, just went along for the the hell of it, you know, sort of thing. I'd say I used to get all the the, the newspapers, uh, the magazines. But I was basically around here. I seemed to be the only one who uh, who was into it. Obviously, you had you know, the people in Bath, but you know, played for the Bath Gladiators, places like that. I think it was a team in Swindon called the Swindon Steelers, as well. As I remember, but um, uh, even at work, I was the only one really who um, who uh, watched it or you know talked about it or anything like that. So it's, it's it was a strange one in a way because I I thought more people would be into it the more it come on, but um, no, not really. <laughs> Actually, Glenn, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the European 
uh, American Football League. Yeah. Or NFL Europe, as I think it was later called. Did Did you ever have any interest in that? Because that obviously would have played at British grounds. Well, the, the, the yeah, 90s. there was a. It, it was quite a big league at one time because again, a lot of the a lot of the players who didn't make the draft in America would come over. Who weren't drafted in America would come over and play here. And we had the London London Monarchs, of course. You had the Barcelona Fire, I think it was. And you had a few teams in uh, in Germany as well. Uh, uh, Amsterdam as well had a team, and I think the, the Monarchs won it a couple of times. Uh, again, it was it used to be in the um, in the first down newspaper a lot. It, I think that was more of a summer league, but yeah, that that was quite quite a big thing. Uh, they didn't they didn't show it a lot here. I don't think. I think they played at Wembley. I think the Monarchs. So I, I'm quite surprised at that because that's quite a big stadium to fill out. But um, uh, it might have been quite popular. I can't I can't remember. I was looking into it actually, and it did. It was more popular at the start, and then it, it gradually declined. So I think they started off maybe at Wembley, and then. The attendances weren't really yeah. strong enough, so they had to gradually decrease. Yeah. And then they played at, I think they played at Selhurst Park, and then they played at not Selhurst Park, sorry, the Crystal Palace Sports yes. Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I do remember that vaguely now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, like... yeah, it's. I can kind of. There's a sort of feeling of slight desperation, I think, about the idea of creating this European League, of them trying to build up popularity for it, for it in this country, but obviously it didn't work out. And I think maybe. The fact that it attracted players who weren't really, they weren't the real deal, maybe yeah. spelt the end for that. Whereas now, obviously, you get NFL matches that are actually part of the regular season, season coming over to yeah. Wembley, and that fills yeah. Wembley Stadium. That's I right, think people, yeah. yeah, I think British fans want to see the real thing, don't they? If they're into NFL, they want to see the yeah. NFL. Yeah, I'd like, like you say, I think that they, they, I'm not quite sure if the uh, European League was was back by NFL. I'm not quite sure. And they were just trying to see how it went. And because I was talking about having a franchise here mm, in London yeah. at one point. Now, whether they they wanted to see how it went and was there going to be enough uh, enough um, interest in it? I don't know. Maybe now they would be. Maybe not play at Wembley. I think they play at Tottenham Ground, don't they? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but whether they could do that now, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Uh, it's been a long time since they um, had new franchises. But obviously, there'll be other countries who would be interested as well, you know, in uh, having a franchise. Maybe somewhere like Canada or Mexico, where they don't have to go so far. But yeah, it's uh, it would be an interesting idea if they could do that. It would be quite good. But like you say, um, I think some of the players did make it into the NFL who played in the European leagues, but um, not not a great deal of them. And of course, some there have been some British players in the NFL as well uh, over the years, uh, especially in the 90s as well, I think. So some people have made uh, made inroads into uh, into playing in, in American football. I know one thing about the London Monarchs, and that's that former Tottenham striker Clive Allen had a few games as a as a oh, kicker for as a them. Kicker, punter. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, oh, nice. which was a bizarre yeah. turn of events. Well, funny enough, um, you say that um, there was a lot of uh, quite a few English players in the NFL were were kickers, obviously because of the football. They had uh, Mick Luckhurst to actually become. A presenter on the Channel Four football program, and a bloke called John Smith, uh, who played for the uh, England, uh, New England Patriots as well. He became a presenter eventually, but I, there don't seem to be that many uh, British players over there now, even even kickers. Well, now on four for the next hour and a half or so, settle back in company with Mick Luckhurst for live American football.
Tonight, it's a battle of the airways as the Miami Dolphins play host to the reigning AFC East champion, Buffalo Bills. At quarterback for them, it's Jim Kelly. He's often controversial, but normally effective. If he can click both on and off the field with his teammates, the Bills could certainly be the team to chase in the AFC this year. For the Dolphins, there's no question as to who they turn to for leadership. Top Gun, Dan Marino, the fastest release in the East. Combine him with Sammy Smith's league-leading 159 yards rushing last week, and a lot of people are saying that 1990 could be the year of the Dolphin. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the second week of live coverage from the 1990 NFL season. In tonight's program, we'll be going live to Miami for the climax of our main game, and Gary will have updates on the rest of today's matches, and he'll also have news from around the league. Glint, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you tonight about your experiences at the American Bowls and uh, following Thank American football throughout the 90s. Will you come back the next time we need you to come on and talk about something? <laughs> as long as it's like rock music or something like that next time. Okay, hair metal in the 90s. <laughs> That's right, we'll do classic classic rock in the 90s. That's okay, we'll it's on, it's on. <laughs> Later in the year we'll get that then. Glenn, thanks very much. That's right, mate. Thank you. Yeah, Thank cheers, you, Alex. Glenn. Thanks again to Glenn for coming in and, and talking to us about American football in the 90s. Um, it seems like a different world, doesn't it, compared to the coverage and uh, and the amount of access that the British fans can can get today. It's um, it really does seem worlds apart, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It, it really bloomed, I think, in the late noughties and early 2010s, didn't it? And now it's everywhere. There was a lot of coverage on the BBC. There'd be a regular NFL show, and I think that's maybe on a different channel now. Um, but yeah, back when I was had a bit of an interest in it. it was all late night channel five stuff as with all the american sports there'd be a slot late night channel five all with the same american co-presenters seem to do all the sports <laughs> but now yeah like you say it's, it's very mainstream and all these regular matches in in uk football stadiums that attract huge crowds so yeah definitely a different world i mean i don't think you'd see american football played on corsham school playing fields these days <laughs> I don't think you would, no. But but more's the pity. More's the pity yeah. uh, that, we, that we've moved away from from a game just popping up on the on, on the Corsham School field. Those majorettes have got nowhere to play now, have they? Got nowhere to do. No, that's exactly it. The bottom's fallen right out of that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That just about wraps us up for this time. Um, Alex, where can everybody get in touch with us and let us know their thoughts on American football in the nineties, or indeed anything else that we have ever talked about on the podcast? They can find us on our link tree, which is linktr.ee forward slash all right 90s podcast. That's 90s, which is 90s. Or you can just click on the link in the description for this episode where it'll take you straight there without having to type anything in. Please do get in touch with anything you see fit. Uh, OK, that just about wraps us up for this time. Um, do keep your eyes peeled for our next episode in a couple of weeks. We'll be interviewing a very special guest. More on that in the coming days but uh, until then it's goodbye from me I'm just off to speak to Bob Turner to get some tickets for the next Bath Gladiators match and it's goodbye from me I'm just off to put a hot banana on the barbecue <laughs> ta-ta for now bye <laughs>